four, and I'm certainly not the first one and only one that's ever said it. And sometimes we don't realize what we have till we don't have it anymore. Amen. And then we wish we had it back. Think of the kingdom of God in that aspect. Think of the blessings of God in that aspect. Uh, I think I've asked this question recently, but find myself returning to questions more often than statements. Again, because questions prompt us to respond many times silently, many times not outwardly, not even vocally, but within ourselves. We got to find out who we are. Amen. Come on. You ever think about that? You ever ask yourself the question, "Who am I?" Try to answer it. Oh my Lord. Try to answer it. You know, it's not so much in the question, it's in the response, it's in the answer, it's in the reply that we really start to learn things. So I'm going to ask you maybe the same question again this morning, but a necessary one is what are you doing? What are you doing? And we can get a lot of responses from that question, a lot of individual responses. We could get a response as a whole. What are we doing? What are we doing as a church? What am I doing? Breaking that down a little further, expanding on it a little bit, uh, within the framework of spiritual truth, and is that not where we have to go, the framework of spiritual truth, to really find the right answers? Uh, too often we, we look within ourselves for the answers that only God can give. And we'll form our own answer for not careful. And we'll fit it to our own life and the, and the way we want it to be. Well, too many times the way we want things to be, humans want things to be, are not the way God wants them to be. And he's not going to change his word. He's not going to change his will to fit what our thought is. That's why we've got to line up with the spiritual framework of his holy word. This is where all the answers lie. question I just ask, that's really if you... If you consider it and you bring yourself to the point of really examining and putting some thought and energy to it uh, and you go to God's word you're going to find the answer to the question I just asked you if you're a Christian at least who a Christian is supposed to be you're the word of God you're living it you're walking it you're breathing it you're doing it so what are you doing what are we doing are we doing it or are we not um In my continuance and response to you and the question that I've asked you, uh, I don't, I don't know if it's really a condensed version because I don't think you can condense the Word of God, although it's been tried. In uh, individuality and group gatherings and even <coughs> modern day teachings and instruction, but it's being condensed. And when you condense something, you got to be careful because you can wind up taking things away from it, even adding things to it. And when we take into consideration, again, the question I just asked, and I ask you to do that this morning, ask yourself personally, what am I doing? I'll further that a little bit, make it a little more simple. What you are doing, what I'm doing, and there's only two answers, is either pleasing God or not pleasing God. Oh, man. That's it. You don't have to go any further. We need to answer that one before we go anywhere else. Because if we come into church and we come in in the aspect knowing that God sent his son Jesus Christ to be our Savior, I mean, that, that's the 
hallmark foundation of the Christian church, right? It's Jesus. It's about his sacrifice. He came to shed his blood and give his life for us that we can be freed of sin, washed and cleansed, and, and live a new life. Not only live a new life, but live a new life pleasing him. Now, that's the, that's the Christian principle. And contained again within the spiritual framework of God, his holy word, we find every answer in how to do that. That kind of leaves me guessing, and I really don't like guessing in this way, but the observations that I see, a whole lot of people are definitely not living life according to the Word of God. Yeah. A number of Christians aren't. Okay? Where's judgment begin? House of God. Who's in the house of God? Now that scripture doesn't necessarily mean a place or a temple. The house of God is the house of the people who are supposed to live for God and worship God. That's where judgment begins. So there again brings back to us should the purpose and, and the will to self-examine and answer the questions that, that need to be asked and need to be answered. And again, we're living in a time where it is most evident that something's bad wrong considering by people's behavior and the behavior of society that something is terribly bad wrong when it comes to following the leading and the guidance of the word of God, which is the absolute truth, the absolute way of life. If you don't have that, if you don't have a relationship with the Lord this morning, if you've never come to Jesus and ask him to give you your sins and willingly, out of the desire in your heart, ask him to to be your Savior and your Lord, then, then you're never going to get the principles of the Word. You can read it all you want to, and I'm not saying it's not going to have effect because the Word of God does not return void. But much greater does it become when you give Him yourself. And that's what salvation is. You give the Lord yourself to cleanse you, give you a new walk in life, erase all of your past history. It's gone, it's done, it's over with, and begin a walk in a life for him. So back to the question, what are you doing? What are you doing? <clears throat> I'll open a little bigger can of worms. When you open a can of worms, a lot of things start crawling out. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've said that before, but and I'm not I'm not considering the word of God as a can of worms, uh, not even a can. But Sometimes, as we find the writers of the gospel, many times, especially Paul, Peter, some of those, you know, again, explaining things in kind of terms that can be easily understood and something that we're common in hearing or dealing with. And I kind of get that way sometimes, too. So, anyway, I'm an Oki and I talk Oki. Uh, whatever you want to call it. Then, uh, the, I've heard some people preach a sermon when they got done. I didn't have any idea what they said <laughs> because they use words this long. And, and, and you know it's just you know I'm not hey if people's out there in the audience that can understand okay good deal but kind of leaves me blank you know I'm just a simple guy and uh, I, I, the word of God is simple really I mean it can yeah you can go to depths in it you can go to heights I mean you you can stay in the word of God if you if you so chose just live in the thing just stay in it just constantly reaping the wisdom and knowledge that it holds and much of that to do with how we live our life every day. What are we doing? What are you doing? What am I doing? Uh, I'll ask it this way. What are you doing with what you've got? 
Now that's a better one. What are you doing with what you've got? <coughs> Consider that. The Bible is pretty explicit. Even though we may try to define and answer, reply, and tweak and twist and turn and manipulate, the Bible is very explicit on if we consider ourselves people of God, Christians, then there's really one way, only one way, that we're, or should, see. Not what we're doing, but what we're supposed to be doing. And again, that's pleasing God. And sadly, to some, so many times in so many ways, that is sad. Because that pretty much leaves off pleasing self. We live in a self-serving, self-indulging, self-pleasing society that is all about me. In everything I do, and certainly everything I have, is mine. It's the attitude. If a truthful answer is given, I'm going to get to some scriptures here in a minute. If a truthful answer is given, that's a huge statement in itself. i got to stop. If a truthful answer, if we give ourselves a truthful answer to the questions I've asked, many people sitting on church pews this morning should be blushing on the inside from embarrassment. If they would but consider and truthfully answer that question. That's why you, you find, and, and uh, I think we've touched on this before, you find, and I'm not trying to lift up this particular church, but I believe you find when you come here, you're given the truth and simplicity. The way that God expects us to serve him, please him, honor him, do for him. And it's been taught, preached, explained, tore apart, displayed, conveyed many, many times. That everything we do is to glorify God, not ourselves. To please him before ourselves. And I'm not saying that we don't do things to satisfy ourselves. That's that's sure. When you say I'm talking pleasing God, that, that's that's a way younger step ahead than normal pleasing, and at least in the way we think of pleasing. When we please God, we please God by living his word. Amen. We please God by doing his word. We please God by maintaining our lives through the source of Holy Scriptures. There's a lot of books you can access. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, for generations, ever since they had the ability to write and print, and now it, it's just remarkable how they can uh, produce things in the way of type and, and, and media and all kinds of things. Uh, and saying that, let me say this. We don't have an excuse. Amen. We don't have an excuse, at least in this country. 
most Western culture. We don't have an excuse that we can't access anything we want to find in regard to God's Word. Yeah. You can go to Christian bookstores, other stores. A lot of places still sell the Bible. Some have stopped because of pressure. Lord, help them. If they're bending and folding to the devil, that's not going to end well. The Word of God is always going to stand true. Never going to fall, never going to falter. They might take it away in print form. They might build bonfires and burn it. They might dig holes and bury it. But they're still not taking it away. Out of the true Christian's heart, right? Because see, the world doesn't understand that the Word of God may look like a book to them. And it is. It's Jesus. I said this many times. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning. Amen. It was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Talking about Jesus. So, we have in form or object the principle guiding foundation of life. Saying all this to get somewhere. Again, Lord help those who only show up at a church to be entertained to have their ego stroked or their puff powdered or whatever other reason never caring or concerned about the welfare of their soul in the way of pleasing God it's still about pleasing self God is not in the entertainment business Sorry. <laughs> Many think so. Seems to be the drive of the day. If you can entertain them, you can draw them in. I don't argue that point. You sure can. I was having a conversation not long ago, I believe it was Brother Tanner. People will show up at a party a whole lot quicker than they'll show up at a prayer meeting. Throw a party, you'll get a lot of folks. Invite them to a prayer meeting, three or four. Tells me something. See, uh, guiding you back to a recent scripture, actually a recent message in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.10. And I'm going to keep saying this because this is a, a super serious scripture. We're not going to preach on that this morning. I'm just giving you the reference. Second Corinthians five ten. It, it's we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and we're going to we're going to be judged for the, our deeds, the deeds of our body, be they good or be they bad. You've heard that recently. Now I'm going to connect that with what we're where we're going this morning, in the aspect of what are you doing? Because that scripture back to it makes all the difference in how our ultimate end is going what's going to look like. Is that important? Amen. Yeah. All right. Um, the fact is that you and I, all of us, have been given much more than we ever even deserve. Right. Yeah. Amen. And I'm talking God more. Yeah. 
I'm not talking world more. You can get more and more and more and more. If you want to chase and spend money and go in debt and get everything that fancies your whatever, and, and if that's your chase, I don't have the power to stop that. Oh, you do. We'll get our sight set on the right thing. Pleasing God. See, we can get too tangled up in pleasing self, and we never really come to a full recognition and understanding and knowledge that the first primary thing that we ever want to have as Christians is please God first. And we please God by what we do. And we please God what we do with what we have. With what we have. Now, we're going to get to that in a minute, but what we have is not necessarily, again, something that you hold in your hand or you can look at or polish and shine or whatever. Elaborate on that a little bit more here in a minute. If we have been given much, if we've been given much by God, we could talk about one thing and be done. We wouldn't have to name anything else. Would you call that much? And I'm referring to the cross where Jesus hung, bled his blood and shed and gave himself a sacrifice and died. I'm talking about the Son of God that come to this earth to be the sacrifice. For our salvation, that we wouldn't have to take the punishment and the pain and the torment and be hell bound for eternity with no opportunity to get out of it. Amen. Is that much? Amen. But the God we serve is, it goes beyond that. The blessings of God come in ways that many times we fail to even see. But the ones we can see, I'll go ahead and name a few. What about blessings? Everybody loves blessings, right? I believe, because I know it's scriptural, that God gives us much when he gives us family. How many times we take them for granted? I'm going to tell you, first and foremost, as a definite witness, appreciate who you've got while you've got them. Love them multiple times every day and tell them so. Just a couple, there's more. The much of God is non-definable. But he gives us much. In relations to a globe that's about over 24,000 miles in circumference, 8,000 miles through, <coughs> that contains a lot of continent and land and people. I mentioned this last Sunday, I believe it was 9.5 billion today. And we're here, the greatest country on the globe. Amen. How many times that taken for granted? 
Now, instead of thanking God for a wonderful, blessed land, we want to trash talk it. Not not we, but they. We want to run it down. See how things go when you become unappreciative of the much God's given? When we say Western culture, we're talking about the, the culture that we're a part of. We went over morality and immorality and culture just the other couple of times this past week. So much. More knowledge is much. More wisdom is much. Does it take wisdom and knowledge in order to do things properly? I'm talking this. Talking right here. God knowledge, God wisdom. There's worldly learning. We've all been there. I'm not saying it doesn't do us well. We learn. I'm not saying all of it's good by any means. And as time goes on, the increase of not being good is growing. We're going to look at some scriptures this morning. And I want you to go with a particular one where we're going to start is in the book of Luke. Anybody looking forward while you're trying to a home in heaven? Amen. Is that little or is that much? We haven't got there yet, but I've already come to total firm conclusion. It is much. If you're talking eternity... It's more than much. Amen. So what are we doing with what we have? And it, this hasn't even really touched yet of the much of God. In the book of Luke, chapter 12, we're going to look at two verses, and this is, this is a part of the parable where Jesus is talking about Stewardship, or basically uh, what you're doing and what you got to do with it. And we're not going to go through the whole uh, text here. I just want to highlight here, uh, starting with verse number 47. And this is what Jesus says. And that servant which knew his Lord's will. Listen. That servant, what are we? To who? I know this sounds very elementary, too. We are servants of God, right? We're servants to God because we want to please Him, right? Because we appreciate Him for what He, who He is, what He has done. Now, look at the particular word. That servant which knew His Lord's will. Do we know the Lord's will? Amen. How do we know the Lord's will? By this. And if you do not know this, you do not know the Lord's will. Now, preceding there has been something delivered to these to take care of until the Lord or the Master returns, and there's varying degrees of how conscious people were about the importance of what they had been given to do with. Some uh, was given more, uh, one was given a little less, the other was given much less. Now, the... The importance of this, it does not matter how much you've been given or great amount you've been given or how little bit you've been given. What you do with it is what makes all the difference. That's what makes the difference. Back to 2 Corinthians 5, 10. 
What did you do with what I gave you? And prepared not himself. He didn't prepare himself. I'm still reading in verse 47. Neither did according to his will. Shall be beaten with many stripes. That sounds rather harsh. The Bible is in many ways comparative to other scriptures and other terms and other means about punishment and and, and I like to think of this myself, even it includes your own misery that you've created for yourself. You get beat with stripes here when you get out of the will of God, okay? Not whipped, but there's misery and consequences and things that happen because of, right? Okay, now that's just one. That, that's just a thought of mine. But Jesus said with many stripes or the importance here Is this guy or this gal knew what God expected? It says, knew his Lord's will. And he didn't prepare himself or I'll say herself, we've got to, you know, we've, we've got to go all directions here. Neither did according to his will. He knew it, but he didn't do it. She knew it, but she didn't do it. We're all creatures of decision, right? We decide if we're going to do it or we're not going to do it. We let will dictate. We let desires dictate. The flesh controls. But he knew his Lord's will. He didn't prepare himself. What's that mean? Does this tell us how to prepare ourselves? Absolutely. Yes, it, again, I will never stop stressing the importance of reading God's Word, drawing out of the wells of salvation the truth and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. You will never go wrong. You will only improve yourself. You will find yourself more enabled, more empowered, uh, more a lot of things. You will find yourself with much, okay? Remember that word, much. Verse 48. But he that knew not or did not know. Now, look at the comparison here. One knew. The first one knew. This one don't know. Remember what I said about Western culture. Remember what I said about this country. There's access to everything. You can find more, all versions of Bibles. You can find all kinds of information. It's free. You don't even have to buy it. Now, in other parts of the world, they don't even have one of these. There's people out there that still don't know who Jesus is. Even in this 2023 we're living in, there's still missionaries doing, going with what they have, which is very meager at times, Please God. To reach the people who have never been told about Jesus. To get it into their language or at least interpret for them the saving grace of Jesus Christ and what it means to live a Christian life and walk pleasing God. There's a vast comparison that we need to see, although much of the time we don't see it. 
because we associate the entirety of this globe with how it is with us. What's going on with us, what we have, what's available to us, which is everything imaginable. It's not that way other places. There's a great difference in them that know and them that don't know. We're going to see it right here. Look what he says. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. Now I want you to remember 2 Corinthians verse five, or chapter 5, verse 10. People are going to stand and they're going to give an account. To who? Jesus Christ, the judge. Of what they did, it says, over there it says, with their bodies, in their bodies, in their lives, in their instruments that God has given us to do with. There's going to, we're going to be accountable. There's no escaping this. There's no safety hatch that you can bounce out of when, oh, there's the Lord, I'm going to take another. There's not going to be another route. There's one courtroom, it's it. The difference is going to be made is what did we do with what we have been given to do with, which is much. Much. Can you read it? It says it right here. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. What does that mean? Required there actually has an extension of demanded. Much shall be demanded. Who's doing the demanding? What, what's this all about? What you saying? Let's break it down. Within that particular statement right there alone, we're going to look at four things that it includes. The first thing we've got to see is God gives us much. To whom has been given much? We know who's doing the giving, Scripture. God's doing the giving. God gives us much. He's able to give us all kinds of much. And I don't think I'm talking to anybody this morning that would disagree with the fact that God has given us much. Amen. Comparatively speaking, especially. When you think about what other folks in this world, the, the meager means they have to live and even survive, and many of them are, are not. They're starving to death. They don't even know what a lot of things are that you and I take for granted and run down the street down here and pop a few bucks out on the counter and walk out with it. Mm -hmm. They don't know about that. All they know about is finding a grasshopper or something that they can catch and eat it to keep themselves alive. We've been given much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now how we take it for granted. Too much. You know, things can happen in a heartbeat to change all that. Yeah. I'll give you a story back over in, uh, remember Nineveh? Yeah. Remember Jonah? Mm -hmm. You know, all the whale business when he didn't want to go to Nineveh and preach and <coughs> wound up in a whale's belly. Finally speed him out. He said, okay, I'll go down and preach. Long story, but he went down and preached to Nineveh who was a, a wicked, evil, sinful people, a whole nation of them. This over in the Old Testament, in case you don't know. 
He went down and preached to them, and guess what happened? They listened, and they heard, and they received. And they repented. And it changed their whole nation. They had revival. You know what happened 100 years later? A prophet by the name of Nahum records it in his book. A hundred years later, after that kind of revival, after people finding the much of God, I mean, spiritual deliverance is the ultimate of much, right? Deliverance from hell and getting the reward of heaven, of knowing God and not knowing Him, of bogged down in lives of sin and wickedness, and all of a sudden you're free and you're delivered and you're living the life of God. See, they have much. And this, this teaches, the Bible teaches us lessons of history. Biblical history. The nation, or the town, it was an area of Nineveh, <clears throat> fell away from this wonderful, blessed much that God had given them, and they resorted back to the old ways. To their violence, to their idolatry, to their sin, to their wickedness, and they lost the much. Pause. You think about the situation this country's in right now. How can you forget much? How can you turn your back on God that gave the much that this country ever existed in the first place? To become what it has become in a little over 200 years. The greatest, most powerful nation on the face of the earth. Man was involved, but I'm going to tell you, man did not do that. God did. And he gave this fledgling land, those early leaders, of this, those that sacrificed and gave themselves because they gave their much into this nation to build it on the foundation of the truth and the power of living in a life of God. Amen. To his word. That's what it started. Think about that. Where are we at now? What are we doing as a country with what we've been given? First one, God's given much. Second thing we see in this is no one, although there be many, no one, no Christian has a right to think that they live this thing alone. You know what that is? It's called selfishness. That's living in self-conceit, but you're living in deceit when you do that. And that's what's become. When one starts living for self alone and cares nothing about anybody else around them, we got some problems. And that's what's happened. At least one of the things. It's very evident. You can deal with people this way. You don't have to go searching for them in faraway places. They're all around us. You know what that's affected? It's affected the pleasing of God. 
it's affected the, the, you know, the church should be all about pleasing God. I hope you never, never, I hope you never come in through the doors of this church and, and, and thinking you have this ideology, this mindset that if I'm not pleased, then, I, then it's, nothing's going to work. Come with the thought, the will, purpose in you. I'm going through these doors to please God. And I'm going to do it every time I come in here. Live your life to please God. God will grant you the much that I'm talking about this morning. But what we do with the much that God gives us, again, makes a difference. You need a scriptural reference. It's Romans 14, 7, where Paul talked about that. Uh, nobody lives alone, nobody dies alone. You know, we're, we're here to influence other people. We're here to bless other folks. Amen. And many times that means flipping the switch of self off and doing Amen. for somebody else. That's huge. You know, there's great value, there's great treasure to be found in that. And I, I'm not saying, maybe all of you, maybe some of you here have found that I mean, you really went beyond yourself to bless other people. There's a spiritual growth that occurs when you do that. Because that's biblical. What was the first lesson Jesus taught the disciples? How to be a servant. <coughs> we need to be constantly learning how to be a servant. You know how you constantly learn how to be a servant? You go be one. <laughs> and then the Lord will teach you because you passed the very important necessary first step. Just involving yourself. Peter, wasn't it, said, I ain't washing your feet, or you ain't washing my feet. The Lord's got to wash you before you can be affected, folks. Yeah. Come on. It's not just your feet, it's all of you. Yeah, come on. That's where the washing of sins comes from. Get, get rid of it. Get clean. Third one in the scripture is the great responsibility attached to it. This is a tremendous responsibility. Now, it's, it doesn't say responsibility in the scriptures, but it's there. Great responsibility. God has given us much to be greatly responsible with. If we're greatly responsible with the much God has given us, we're going to do much with it. And right here is where it all lies. If God did for us, we're supposed to do for God. Amen. If he did much for us, we're supposed to do much for God, whatever your much is. Don't evaluate it with, I don't have anything to give. Everybody's got something to give. you got yourself to give. That's where servanthood starts. Huge. This whole set of scriptures here, this parable that Jesus is is relaying to them is fully expressive of this very fact that when God gives us much along with that comes responsibility to do with what we've been given and to do effectively with it and not lazily and not haphazardly and not halfway in, in this and that If we chose to take some kind of a survey and let her give everybody a questionnaire and say, okay, put a value on what what you think you are, what you've got, or all this, you'd get all kinds of answers. 
That's the way it is. That's the way we find in this parable. There's three different ones given three different measures to do with. He didn't give everybody the same thing. We don't need to belittle ourselves because somebody's got more. Well, they got more, so I can't do anything. Yes, you can. Some's got more, don't do anything. So you're far ahead of them. Some that's got more is doing nothing but pleasing themselves. They're, they're finished to start with. It don't matter if you got much or you got little. Use it for God. Amen. Give it, give back. Not that we work our way to heaven. We don't work our way to salvation. We know that. But this is a biblical principle right here. So stated. To whom much is given, much is required. Demanded. Fourth one. Listen to this. Whatever you got. Now, get your heads unwrapped from around objects or money or whatever. It's kind of interesting to me because a lot of things mentioned in previous sermons come bouncing back as food for the sermon I'm preaching this morning. What about skills? What about talents? What about abilities? You ever spread and share those with other people without we live in a world that's got to be paid for everything. Our youth are being ruined because they're being taught that whatever you do, you better get paid for it. That's wrong. I'm not saying that it's, it's incorrect to bring children up giving. I mean, only because we all got to live and we all got to survive and we make money by jobs, all these kinds of things that we're involved in, of course. But what... What is happening is people are being indoctrinated with values that are ungodly, unscriptural, that it's all about them and everything you get and everything you do has got to be about you. And it's ruining the generations. We're already seeing it. That's not their fault. You gotta speak the truth, right? Amen. About finished. That fourth item we see in this. When we give much, we're given much and much is required. The much again that's required and demanded has to do with using all these things that I mentioned and more to bless other people with. Would it have accomplished anything? Now, the, the, now the, the parable here is about talents and stewardship, and yes, it was an object uh, for defining purposes. Jesus wanted to get the message across, and they understood money. Everybody understands money, right? That's why he used it. What's your increase here? He's not so much interested in what he gave. He's interested in what it produced. Amen. And you see the various punishments because either it didn't or one hid it in himself, all of himself and all about himself. But the one who gained the most back or the, is the one that invested all of it and others. Uh -huh. Come on. So are we supposed to be? <clears throat> I want to close up right here.
I can't speak for all churches, but I've heard this issue, this problem. That you cannot get qualified people to serve anymore because they're too busy with their own greed. They're too busy with their own self. They don't want to do because of this, because of that. They just don't want to put forth effort. I'm going to tell you an absolute truth. It takes effort to please God. Amen. It takes time to please God. It takes an investment. A huge one. Right. You do. What is much? What is much? On our part. We should know what it is on God's part. Yeah. There's too many evidences of it. Right here. If you're sitting here saved this morning, you don't need any more evidence. <coughs> Much. That's ours. What are you doing with what you've been given? God honors the dispersing of our much into the lives, the care, the concern, the aid to other people. Be it physical aid, spiritual aid. Greatest thing you can ever give anybody is the path to salvation. Amen. How many people are doing that? How many people are taking that much? That's above all things. Everything else comes after that. We have been rescued again from the bowels and the eternity in hell. Undeservingly. By God who gave us his much that we could have much to give much to others to this town. I believe the way I received this anyway, again, I always receive before you get it. Um, I received this as a challenge, not a Amen. not a hammering session and beating people down. This is a challenge. Yeah. Because things are produced from this very thing. Spiritual things are produced by spiritual action. Yeah. Well, it's a physical action. No, it's a spiritual action if you're involving God and doing God things. It's always spiritual, okay? Maybe you handed somebody that little bit of cash they needed. Maybe you took somebody that needed it a plate of food or a whole meal. See, folks, we, we my goodness, the church has lost a lot of what it's supposed to be. Somebody comes on your mind, a lot of times that's not just because of your little mental thought. God puts people on our mind for purposes, prompting us. When that happens to you, let it work. 
Don't you involve yourself in that. Maybe it won't have a product in for you at all that you can see. But spiritually it will. Yeah. I like to read, I read it here the other day, God's Book of Remembrance. One word of the information now, that's going to wind up there. The only thing God's able to forget is your sins when you come under the blood of Jesus. Amen. Everything else he remembers. Amen. That's why that we need to put him under that blood. Yeah. To him much is given, much is required.